Well, as I was just telling uh, Dan Grunfeld off the air, I thoroughly enjoyed his book. It's entitled By the Grace of the Game, The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy and an Unprecedented American Dream. We'll talk about it in a moment uh, with the author. Um, uh, we actually, uh, Dan was scheduled to be with us on the air around the time the book came out, which was the week of uh, March 20th. And then as... Uh, Many of you remember March 27th. As many of you remember, uh, March 27th was the day of the fire in our studio, and it took us some time to uh, regroup. We weren't able to have uh, guests on the air with us that week. Um, anyway, so, uh, but th thank goodness uh, we followed up and um, were able to speak with Dan Grunfeld about the brand new book, which I, again, am highly highly recommending anybody out there who is uh, into modern Jewish history, especially if you have any affinity towards sports in this country, you'll absolutely love it. If the magnitude of an American dream is measured by the intensity of the nightmare that came before and the heights of the triumph achieved after, then the Grunfeld family has experienced an American dream of unprecedented scale. A courageous struggle to avoid Auschwitz and a harrowing escape to the U.S. somehow led to basketball, a vehicle that took Ernie Grunfeld and his family from the grips of the Nazis to the top of the Olympic podium, from the cheap seats to center stage at Madison Square Garden, from yellow stars to silver spoons. Ernie's the only player in NBA history whose parents survived the Holocaust. And by the grace of the game, Dan Grunfeld, a former basketball standout at Stanford, shares the incredible story of his family, a delicately interwoven narrative that doesn't lack in heartbreak. It remains as deeply nourishing as his grandmother's Hungarian cooking. Dan Grunfeld is a former professional basketball player, an accomplished writer, and a proud graduate of Stanford University, an academic All-American and All-Conference basketball selection at Stanford. Dan played professionally for eight seasons in top leagues around the world, including in Germany, Spain, and Israel. Dan Grunfeld, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, we should also mention that it's not just the NBA. Uh, your father was the only one in any of the four major sports in this country to play professionally and, in fact, have the distinction of being the uh, child of Holocaust survivors, correct? Yeah, that's right. You know, I did a year and a half of research for the book, and I kept digging deeper and deeper, and I <laughs> call, you know, talked to the, the historians from all the major leagues, and no one, there wasn't another player whose parent, both parents were Holocaust survivors. Uh, the story is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that your family survived the Holocaust is incredible uh, to begin with. And then the the achievements that the, the family, obviously through your father and others, um, uh, came to in this country is simply remarkable. Uh, you know, very often, very often, both the generation of the Holocaust and even to an extent the next generation that you're a part of uh, like to avoid the topic. And and often it is a it, it's a difficult and painful one to number one experience as a family and number two to bring to the public it seems that you had the exact opposite approach you went ahead and uh, and authored a book uh, that details everything that your family went through why do you think you had a completely different type of attitude than others when approaching this work you know, so I'm third generation, right? So my grandparents are survivors. And, you know, I talk a lot in the book about privilege, and I'm privileged in a lot of ways. But one of them is that I have a generation of separation from all this tragedy and trauma. And I can kind of look at it, you know, and get inspiration from it. You know, my dad never had that luxury. You know, my dad was born in the ashes of the Holocaust. And so he doesn't really talk about it. You find with survivors, it's often a binary. Either they never talk about it or it's their obligation. And my grandmother was in the latter group. 
she, I always grew up hearing her speak of her loved ones who were lost and telling stories. And, you know, my grandma turned 97 a few weeks ago. Wow. You know, we talk every single day. And as you know, from the book, she's the star of our, forget, you know, my dad's <laughs> basketball accomplishments or my own. My grandmother is the star of our family. She's the star of the story. And she's just always been very open with me. So, you know, as I got older, as I learned more about the story, it really became my dream to tell it. Yeah, Anya uh, seems to run away from the glory, and yet it chases her, right? <laughs> she can't avoid it. You know, I always I always thought, Anya, someone called, they loved the book. You know, you inspired them. And she said, no, you did it. You did it. I said, no, Anya, it's you. It's always you. Yeah, she's, she's one of a kind. And, you know, just by reading the book, you get to know her. And she's really a remarkable woman. Yeah, and and the reason, by the way, that I you know I, I sort of put you in the second generation status is because of of the years after the war that your father spent in Europe, and then of course uh, you know coming to this country not maybe officially as refugee status, but sort of in a refugee status. And I think that there are so many personalities, including yourself, who are so inspiring uh, in this book, uh, and, and that people will gain inspiration from. We'll start with your with your grandmother for a moment. I mean, it, it must baffle you, especially as you did all the research, that one can go ahead in the shadow of all these of all these tragedies all the people in her family being lost and murdered and all the circumstances that she was put in it must baffle you that she was able to survive the entire ordeal yeah it's extraordinary you know she lost five siblings and both parents in the holocaust she survived in budapest and you know my grandmother she is a symbol of you know survival perseverance will to live she also has incredible humility. So she'll be the first one to say, I had all the things you needed to survive, but during the Holocaust, it didn't matter. You needed luck and you needed help. And you know, through the book, you know, she had, someone gave her a piece of bread. Someone yep. gave her an extra pair of pants. Someone gave her a kiss on the cheek that gave her hope. You know, all these acts of kindness helped her get through, but it was really Raul Wallenberg, you know, the legendary Swedish diplomat who yep. saved her life twice in Budapest, right? So my grandmother had everything you needed to survive, but most times it wasn't enough in those days. And, you know, she also had health and she had luck and yeah, she, her story, you know, how she made it through. It's just, it's incredible. And by the way, we should point out, uh, not to give everything away here, because I want people to buy the book and enjoy it like I did, but, but the, the, the Wallenberg she was saved twice by Wallenberg, but, but neither time in the traditional sense that Wallenberg saved people, which, which leads me to say and observe that, that Wallenberg may have saved a certain number of people. We know about that, obviously, through all the stories and the history. But we don't realize how many other people, what type of ripple effect the fact that he was out there trying to save Jews had on so many others. And I think it's an important point to make. Absolutely. I'm glad you did. I always, you know, I talk to a lot of young groups and students about the book, the story. And I tell them, if you want, you know, heroes can look different. But if you want to really know what a hero looks like, just Google Raul Wallenberg. Yeah. You know, not Jewish, Gentile, went to, went to Budapest to, to help the Jews. And, you know, he was never seen again. He was apprehended by the Russians after the war. So he risked his life and lost his life to help others. So he, I mean, he's a true hero. And your point is a great one. Who knows how many he really, really helped because, Again, twice for my grandmother in different ways. Right, and you, you have, you, folks, it's worth it. It's worth it to read it just for that. Dan Grunfeld's with us. The forward of the book, by the way, by Ray Allen. We'll talk about that in a moment. The book is entitled "By the Grace of the Game: The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy, and Unprecedented American Dream." So um, we talk about uh, you know all these personalities in the book being inspiring. Um, so your your grandparents. Um, 
your your father's parents, you know, they come to this country, and and I, I know for many it would be a, uh, you know, a, a a traditional story of immigrants coming here and starting from scratch. But that also must be very inspiring to you, and obviously it was, uh, to me, and I'm sure to many who are reading about it, that the um the the you know you, you got to start from almost nothing. They were lucky; they had a little bit of something, and they had some relatives here. But you have to start from almost nothing and start building up. Uh, what were your thoughts as you were researching what it was like for them uh, to work in a store all those days and to you know try to build the American dream from scratch? Right. Just a, a hard, hard background, but it was so inspiring to do the research, to interview people, not only in my family, but externally, just to learn about that time. And it gives everyone hope. You know, if you can come to America after losing your whole family, not speaking the language, having no formal education, you know, because my grandparents weren't able to be formally educated because of the Holocaust. And they opened up a fabric store in the Bronx. You know, they work seven, six days a week and they built a nice life here. And in the meantime, my dad, you know, looking for connection after losing his older brother, looking, you know, for a sense of belonging. He started playing basketball on the playgrounds of Queens. Unbelievable. The whole thing is unbelievable. And and, and what you just the, the the fact that they went through, meaning your grandparents went through all this tragedy and. Then, then thank God had the mazel to get to the United States and to start from scratch and you know and and start to build and then lose a son, your father's brother, your uncle. Uh, I, I it, it, it was heartbreaking to read how you described it because again they came from all that tragedy and all that background, but to to you know to to feel like okay now I'm here and there's plenty of hope and there's plenty of life and there's plenty to progress with etc. And then to suffer through that must have been just uh, and and you point out by the way that I mean for for your grandparents it was a very difficult topic to ever to ever bring up right absolutely and for my dad in particular you know cause my dad was nine years old when his brother passed and his brother's eight years older than him. And, you know, I write in the book what my dad called his brother in Hungarian, their native language right. translates in English to my king. Right. right. And, you know, I have two boys, you know, imagine your youngest calling your oldest, my king. And, you know, my uncle, you know, passed away at 17 years old from leukemia. And so, yeah, it, it's heartbreaking even today. And I'm named after my uncle. Now, as you know, from the book, right. Yeah. I read about it very honestly, that the obligation I feel from that, but, that's a hole that can't be filled. And my book is called by the grace of the game intentionally, right? Because it was basketball that shined its light on my family when we really needed it because of the Holocaust, but also because my uncle's passing. I don't think my dad would have flown so far so fast had he not been moving away from so much tragedy. Now let's talk about your dad for a moment. We'll get to you because you're also an inspiring figure. Don't worry. But uh, your father's <laughs> your father's basketball uh, career. I mean, I I guess it sort of starts off as a combination of understanding and realizing he has some athletic ability, and he's trying to fit in, and he's trying to be one of the you know one of the kids on the playground, and also as an escape from from all the different things that um, are going around uh, are going on around him. I mean, it, it looks like for multiple reasons basketball was important to him as a youngster 
hundred percent for, for the reasons you mentioned, you know, being coming to America and not speaking the language. And as you know, from the book, he was made fun of by kids, right? right? I mean, he came to America speaking fluent Hungarian, Romanian, and Italian, didn't speak a word of English, had never touched a basketball. You know, my grandfather was a world ranked ping pong player and kind of a semi-professional soccer player, you know, big six foot three burly guy, a great athlete, but basketball wasn't, you know, wasn't a sport they played in Romania. So yeah, he was a fish out of water in New York city. And then his brother passes, right? And so when, you know, it, it was so interesting hearing my dad, because I, I interviewed him so much for the book and just hearing him describe his upbringing in Queens, you know, he said, that's what, that's what kids did. You know, you went to the playground and you played hoops, right? Particularly in the 70s, right? Like basketball, the city game, New York City. Uh, so I said, I just wanted to make friends. I wanted to learn English and I just wanted to belong. And so, yeah, he was a good athlete and he's, a, you know, a big guy. And so it just, it all clicked, but it clicked in a way that was larger than life. Yeah. And for my friends of the young Israel of Forest Hills, we're talking about the Austin playground, everybody. That's literally where Dan Grunfeld's father, Ernie, uh, learned the uh, the tools of the trade. And he goes ahead and he joins some leagues and uh, some local leagues and then uh, ends up playing for Forest Hills High School and then goes to Tennessee, which is also a cool story, by the way, about the recruiting process back in, the, back in that era. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he becomes a, a great friend of Bernard King as their teammates and the and the entire country knows about them i mean for those who are, are too young uh to to remember you know read up on it uh, make sure your children and grandchildren read up on this folks because it's an amazing relationship you 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 actually call him uncle bernard right or uncle bernie and uh and, and your uh, uncle b uncle b <laughs> and your and your father uh, b- both treated him and he treated him like brothers the way they uh they um uh, worked together at tennessee from very diverse different back both from challenging backgrounds to say the least uh and then of course right. and then of course eventually both of them are drafted into the nba and they remain friends until today which is really cool i know that's really meaningful to this audience because both your father and bernard king were were uh, major figures uh, for a lot of people listening right now when it came to basketball in that era so that that in and of itself is a great that could be a book just about that relationship and i think you pointed out in the book that, there, that espn actually did a documentary about the relationship between bernie and ernie right that's true. Yeah, and it's called Bernie and Ernie. I always tell people read the book first, but then you know watch the documentary. Yeah. But it is—it's it's an incredible relationship. And yeah, Bernard and my dad are still dear friends to this day. They talk every month, and you know they're from the same city, right? They're from New York City, but they're from very different places. You know, Bernard from Brooklyn, my dad from Queens, and they went to Tennessee, and they became legends there separately and together. You know, they're one of the greatest duos in college basketball history. They also played together for the Knicks. Now, Bernard remained a star in the NBA, right? He led the league in scoring. Right. My dad was a role player in the NBA. But, you know, in college, they both averaged more than 25 points per game. I mean, they were two of the greatest college basketball players of the era, and they played together. You know, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible, incredible story. And it's, kind, it's very reflective of the whole family story, right? Basketball being a vehicle to bring people together. So it, it's very cool. Yeah, the whole thing is amazing. By the way, did you, just as an aside, because your father, many people know, in addition to being a player, became a very important executive, a very prominent executive in the NBA and certainly helped build uh, a lot of teams after his playing career. Can I assume that the fact that he spoke multiple languages helped? Or is that only today where there are so many foreign players that the, uh, uh, the knowledge of multiple language would really make a difference as an executive in the league? So it didn't because he speaks Hungarian, you know, which isn't exactly the most <laughs> common language spoken. So, so, but I'll tell you this, it helped him understand people and have emotional intelligence because, you know, in basketball, 
it's, it's an amalgamation of different people, different backgrounds. And because he came to this country not speaking the language, he, he has a very sophisticated sense of people and how people fit in and making people feel included, you know? So it didn't help him to speak to people in Hungarian, really, because not that many people were speaking it. But his experience really, really kind of informed how he approached his job and, and bringing people together and having empathy and an understanding for what people are going through. Boy, is he still in the league right now? We're working it all with basketball. So my dad spent 42 straight years with an NBA team. Uh, he left the Washington Wizards in 2019, and he's been taking some time. You know, he's a grandfather, and he's enjoying that right now. He still helps people from time to time, and people call him, but he's not officially with any team. And uh, yeah, but 42 straight years after you know being born under communism in Romania, the son of Holocaust survivors, coming to you know New York City at nine, not speaking English and not touching a basketball. So. Again, that's why I wrote the book. You know, it's really an incredible journey. And your late uncle, for whom you are named, actually had a a wish, maybe we can call it a dying wish, that his brother would become famous in New York. And boy, he became famous in New York, all right? And it's, isn't that spooky? Isn't that eerie that your uncle had that type of premonition? Yeah, it, it's a prophecy. You know, and, and, you know, I've heard that, but, you know, when I was reaching for the book, you know, my grandmother repeated it and we both cried, right? I mean, to hear my uncle as a dying young man and my dad was not even 10 years old didn't even speak english and he said there's nothing i'd want more than for my little brother to become famous and well known in america you know mm. and he passed away weeks later and and here's my dad you know just stumbled upon basketball and he became famous and well known in america you know so yeah it's I, and i and i asked my grandmother you know do, do you have any idea why my uncle said that and she said i don't know I'm you know he, maybe he felt something who knows but he said it you know it, it's incredible when your father was playing for the Knicks, did he get a bunch of uh, bar mitzvah invitations from boys in the local area? Oh, <laughs> uh, forget it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, listen, he, my dad wore number 18. Right. Knicks, you right. Know? And he was, and, and he played, he played with heart and, and passion and hustle, you know, and it's funny because my dad was such an incredible scorer in high school and in college. And again, an NBA, he was a role player, but I've had so many people reach out to me after the book came out about my dad as a player, but they don't talk about his scoring. They say, you know, there wasn't a ball that he didn't dive on. Right. And it wasn't a play that he didn't give his heart. I say, you know, read the book and understand what his parents went through, what he went through, what he learned growing up as an immigrant. And you'll understand why he played that way. So, yeah, for all those reasons, the Jewish community in New York City in the 80s and beyond, they were always Team Ernie, no doubt yeah. about it. And he was a New Yorker, which, you know, only added to the whole thing. It's not like he was coming from a different city or a different state. Dan Grunfeld's with us. The book is called By the Grace of the Game. We are highly recommending it. And now we get to Dan Grunfeld. Um, you weren't satisfied with your level of, uh, of, um, of a basketball play. You weren't satisfied with the way things were going so you made a commitment and uh, and showed the world that you in fact could become a superstar which you were at Stanford uh, that was one uh, transition if you will or one uh, uh, journey that you were on basketball wise and then the other one is just remarkable and I and I would love you to detail it for us if you can and that is that you suffer a massive injury. You have a torn ACL, and anybody listening these days knows exactly what that is, or certainly has heard of it. You have a torn ACL, and we know that that you know can be can keep someone out for months or years. And you were determined on a daily basis to do anything necessary to get back on that court uh, to to at least the level that you were at. Could you describe what that is like? Waking up in the morning and knowing that uh, the 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 labor that you're putting in 
In order to try to recover from that injury, the fruits of that labor will not be seen or felt for months later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it all relates to the story we've been talking about, what drove me, right? Knowing my grandparents survived the Holocaust, came to America, my dad lost his brother, all the things that, that our family had went through and what basketball did for us, that all drove me. You know, so that, that was kind of the, the engine that was driving my basketball career. I played at Stanford, which is where I wanted to play from the time I was in seventh grade because my grandmother lives there. You know, she lives 25 minutes away from Stanford's campus. So right. I got to Stanford. She came to every single home game I played. And my sophomore year in school, my team was the number one team in the country, but I had a very, very poor year, you know, as you know, right? And so I, I was really determined. And then the following year, I turned it around. I was one of the best players in the country at my position. And my dreams were coming true. This whole history, I was, you know, making good on it. And I tore my ACL on national TV at the end of the year, you know, with Tiger Woods sitting courtside. It was very, very dramatic. And so here I was back to zero. And as you know, I write in the book, I got hurt 20 feet away from where my grandmother sat for my game. Right. I was in shock at first, but I was rolling around on the floor. And when I finally came to, my grandmother was on the floor next to me rubbing my head. You know, and so that's that shows you, you know, like she's always been there for me and I know what she went through. And so for me, it was about picking up the pieces just like she'd always done in her life, just like my dad did in his life. So like to your point, every day I, you know, I mourned the injury for a short time, but I said, hey, it's time to get to work. Woke up every day, did, you know, methodically, maniacally, you could say, did my rehab, you know, focused on it. And yeah, that's that's kind of what sports is. You know, you invest in yourself for the future. So I was, you know, living with my grandmother, spending 10 hours a day with my knee in a range of motion machine. No one knew what I was going through, you know, but you invest for the future. And so I just, you know, methodically tried to rebuild. And I had the inspiration of my grandma and my dad. And so, you know, I just put my head down and got to work just like they'd always done. Unbelievable. And we should mention a couple of people that are, uh, again, I believe, inspiring figures in the book. One is the trainer. That, that helped you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, help is not, I don't even know if help's the right word because he may have been trying to hurt you more than help you with, with the, uh, with, well, the with, with the, with the course of, uh, of exercise that he, that he laid out. But I mean, you had somebody who was working you really tough, really rough. And, um, I don't know, you, you accepted it and you, you felt that, you know, it was worth a long-term goal, uh, but you were doing things physically that, you know, most of us would consider to be impossible. Uh, but I, I guess you felt that was the only way to improve, right? The only way to get better. Yeah, I thrived on it at the time because I wanted it so bad because of this history. You know, the, the game meant so it meant the world to me. And succeeding in basketball it wasn't just you know my ego or anything like that. Although those things, of course, exist, right? But it was my family, right? My grandparents survived the Holocaust, risked their lives, came to America so we could have it better. And I do have it better. And I wanted to always make something of myself because of that, you know. And so. I wanted it so bad. And after I hurt my knee, uh, you know, it, that, that just kind of escalated, but I had this trainer who was very extreme and, you know, it was, it was very hard work what we did, but if you wanted it bad enough, you endured that. And, and in fact, I, I cherish it, right. Just because I knew I was doing things more extreme and harder than my competition. And it showed, you know, I, I was, after I started working out with him and I became this top player. And so it, it's, it's fun to read about. It's funny, but I'll say, he helped me a lot, you know, and you know, his name is Frank. There's a method to his madness. And it just shows we all need people in our lives, right? My grandmother had Wallenberg who saved her. We all need support and people who stand by us and are with us. And Frank was that type of person for me. He was with me 
when I needed him, and he, and he really helped me get better. And you have an amazing family support system, but without Frank, who knows if he could have done it, you know? I mean, even, even when you have great support around you, you still need that person who's going to push you regularly and, and, and just make you, make you improve. And you know enough, I'll tell you something. I didn't write this in the book, but so Frank worked me out. He, he pushed me so hard. And, you know, I tell funny stories about the extreme lengths yep. he would go to to, to test me. Yep. You know, will I break? And, and I didn't. But, you know, I got hurt. And, you know, Frank lived in San Francisco about 45, 50 minutes from Stanford's campus. And when I hurt my knee, I had to, you know, schlep around campus on crutches. And I would call Frank and tell him, hey, man, I need a ride back to my dorm. And he would drive from San Francisco 50 minutes just to drive me two minutes back to my dorm so I didn't have to be on my crutches, right? So there's the heart behind it and the friendship and the trust, you know? And so it's, it's deeper than just exercise, right? It's really it's wow. commitment. And, you know, you become, you become family when you're that close and you go through things like that together. Wow. Sort of, if you're that committed, I'm going to do anything I can for you. Wow. What That's a, right. That's what, exactly right. What a lesson in life that is. Uh, we got I, I don't know if you want to reveal the name because, frankly, you know, I want people to buy the book. But we should mention that um, uh, one of the key people in this entire story and your uh, and your um, uh, family's survival is a very well-known Jewish comedian. In fact, anybody and I have a friend who's very into the Jewish Catskills and its history. Uh, I'm going to share the story with them I, again. I don't know if you want to say the name, but let's just say that somebody who you wouldn't who you wouldn't expect was an extremely important uh, figure in your family's history in getting to the United States. I tell you that sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. I'll say the name because folks will get the book. You just won't believe how it all came together. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, and I, and you won't believe it. Cause I, you know, I grew up hearing the story, but that it just, so, you know, my family was able to, to get illegal money out of Romania, out of communism in a very improbable way. And it was Buddy Hackett, a Jew from Brooklyn who was able to help my family smuggle their money out of communism uh, in just the most extraordinary way. <laughs> so uh, I know there are so many Buddy Hackett fans in New York City. Yep. I'm one of the biggest, you know, and I, he, I was a, he was a little bit before my time, but what he did for my family, you know, it resonates, it reverberates through generations, right? That the kindness that he showed. And so he'll, he'll always be one of my favorite comedians. And frankly, knowing his public persona, one may not suspect that he would be there to help refugees. And sure enough, he came through like crazy. So he's got to be acknowledged. And also uh, you have to explain to the audience, but I get it because I, I know somewhat about his, um, about his background. Uh, you got to explain to the audience why the forward was written by Ray Allen and uh, how you discovered that he's such a mensch. So Ray Allen was recently named one of the top 75 players in NBA history, right? So he's literally one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. I'm lucky to know Ray because my dad was the general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks when Ray was a young player. They spent so much time together. Ray knew our family. Ray had no idea that my dad's parents were Holocaust survivors. And similarly, my dad had no idea that Ray's mission and passion was to educate people on the Holocaust. He saw Schindler's List in college when he was a star at UConn. And he was just moved. He said, this isn't just a Jewish tragedy. This is a human tragedy. And so every time his teams played in Washington, D.C., he took teammates to the Holocaust Museum. He's visited Auschwitz and taken groups to Auschwitz. You know, he doesn't just talk to talk. He walks the walk. Yeah. And so uh, President Obama appointed him to the board of the Holocaust Museum in 2016. And so, you know, w once I wrote the book and the story was out there, we connected. And I told him, I said, Ray, like, here's my dad's background. You probably don't know. And he had no idea. And I just asked him, you know, would you stand by the story and commit? And he didn't hesitate. He said, Dan, I'm with you, you know? And so 
And just so you know, I had Ray's jersey hanging on the wall of my bedroom in high school. I was an up-and-coming shooting guard. He was a shooting guard. That's how much I looked up to him. But I tell people, and it's the truth, I look up to him more now as an adult because what he – in talk about the word mensch is the right word. Ray is a mensch. You know, he, he's a global icon, but he uses his platform to make the world a better place. And, you know, he, he educates. He talks about the Holocaust. And for, for me, who – you know, my grandparents survived, but they lost their loved ones. It just means the world. So he wrote it incredibly moving forward. Yep. And he, he's – He's one of a kind. He's an amazing person. We're talking about the world champion Ray Allen, folks. And yeah, the forward is really heartwarming. It's beautiful and uh, adds so much to this uh, great presentation by uh, Dan Grunfeld. Uh, the book is called By the Grace of the Game, everybody. It's a Triumph publishing release, triumphbooks.com. I'm sure it's available everywhere. I would assume Amazon, etc. Dan Grunfeld is the, yep. is the author, By the Grace of the Game, The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy, and an Unprecedented American Dream. If you are at all into Holocaust history, modern Jewish history, certainly if you have any affinity toward American sports or if you know kids out there for whom sports will be a great entree into this entire topic of what families went through the Holocaust, uh, then check out this book. I'm highly recommending it. Uh, Dan, where are you hanging out these days? You're on the East Coast, West Coast. Where are you based? I'm based on the West Coast, but my wife and I welcomed a baby boy 11 weeks ago. Wow. Uh, and we have, yeah. So if I sound rested, I'm not. <laughs> but, what date? Uh, what date was the? It. What date was the baby born? Uh, April first. Wow, that's literally like a day or two after we were supposed to speak. That's funny. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Because he came a little early, and we were supposed to speak. Uh, yeah, and then he, yeah, he came. I was actually just mentioning that to my wife. But so we're based in the Bay Area, but we had the baby in Washington D.C. to be around family, and wow. so I, we're here now in the D.C. area. And, uh, yeah, that's where you find me today. I look forward to uh, meeting you one day. I hope we get the opportunity. Likewise, Malcolm. This has been really, really great. Thank you so much. Dan, congratulations. Best to your father and the entire and to Anya, of course, and the entire family. <laughs> and uh, thanks for joining yeah. us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dan Grunfeld, by the grace of the game, check it out. You'll be glad you did. That I could tell you. More coming up. It's a Monday. It's JM in the AM.